Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. Where this season, we're going through the 1980s. And sometimes we have friends. Like this week, we have, back for his second appearance, Portal. <laughs> Take two. It's <laughs> <laughs> technically his third appearance. Yeah, I mean, you know, to the general public. He's always with us in our hearts, though. Oh, right. <laughs> like bad cholesterol. <laughs> Wait, is there... Hang on, real quick. Is there good cholesterol? I think uh, they call uh, it good yeah, cholesterol. Yeah, it's good, yeah. I mean, you technically need cholesterol in general. It's essential for survival. No yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll keep telling it the doctor that. Somehow. I'll keep telling the doctor that. Hey, doctor. No, no, no. I'm I need just trying this. to survive. I need this, doctor. I'm trying to extra survive. Yeah. <laughs> Austrian physicist Christian Andreas Doppler invented Doppler radar. Doppler radar helps scientists and meteorologists see or detect near-ground wind shears, which are dangerous to aircraft. Snapple lemon-flavored iced tea first appeared on grocery store shelves. Table tennis, ping pong, became an Olympic sport. Morphing, a method of animation that transforms one image into another, was first seen in the movie Willow. And sales of CDs surpassed sales of vinyl records for the first time. So, since uh, this is the second time we've tried this, uh, my bad. Um, <laughs> I did look up because I was like, what is up with... So, Snapple actually uh, originates in 1972. And their flavor was apple fruit juice. Oh, it was just apple, apple juice. juice? Okay. Yeah, it was apple juice. I, get, I could see that. Yeah, so so yeah, and then it became its own like um its own Snapple Corporation. They started making the iced tea, which is what everybody drinks. So yeah, that that's that's just something again, not to repeat what we said last time. Uh it was hilarious, everybody. You should have heard it. It was so much fun. Was, <laughs> we all we laughed and laughed. So much laughing. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right, birth, yeah. Moving on to birth. Yeah, we, we have over. Anna de Armas, Cuban-Spanish uh, actress. You know what's funny? Okay, very quickly. Last time we did this, I did not hear the Cuban part. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely That's, said it. Me, actually. I would, I would refer us back to the recording to prove it, but you'll just have to take my word for it. But this is great, though. We're learning all over again. There you go. She, uh, uh, the, the last thing I remember was the Bond movie she was in. For, for me, it's Knives Out, for sure. Yep, yep. I don't know if I've seen her in anything. Is it because she's Cuban? Aside from, like, Google, yeah. <laughs> aside from the internet. Yeah, aside uh, from the internet. Next, Lizzo, American singer, actress, and flautist. Not flutist, right? Nope, I don't know why. Yeah. But it, can't, it can't be. I assume English is the reason. Because you, know like, nice you know it's not a pianist, it's a penist? Yeah, it's a penist. Yeah, so... Flautist, flutist. Yeah. Anyway, she can't be. Uh, yeah, don't know anything about her except that she's a great day drinker with Seth Meyers. Oh, <laughs> plug, nice. And, plug, and for plug. all the people complaining that she's not in shape, I, I I couldn't do her dancing around playing the flute at the same time without wheezing uh, constantly. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah, that takes a lot of cardio, actually. So uh, good for her. You know. 
finally, Michael Sarah, Canadian actor. Oh yeah, no, again, uh, um, Scott Pilgrim, right? Super bad. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Also, probably has not aged since Superbad, right? He looks exactly the same. I was going to ask. Looks, like, he looks the same. I was going to ask, would you see him in anything if he like played like a serious role? Like, I don't know. Can you can you imagine him playing a serious role? It can be difficult because he's like the permanent nerd now. It feels like he can be he could be inserted in a serious show, but he would he would be the same guy because he feels like he's the same guy in every. So it, right. it's sort of like he'd have to just be himself in a serious situation. Just put, right, right, right. Just put a beard on him, and then he can be serious. <laughs> uh, don't let's not forget Arrested Development. That George Michael, shiny oh. example. George, George Michael. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> not any other Georges or Michaels that we messed up. No. While trying no. to figure out which nope. one. Nope, we got it right happen. the first time. All right, so uh, deaths. First up, we have Enzo Ferrari, who is. Enzo, Anselmo, Giuseppe, Maria, Ferrari, Cavalieri, de Gran Croce. For the record, I still want the Cavalieri um, car company, and I <laughs> and I still want the Giuseppe car company. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, honestly, so the guy awesome. could have had five car companies, and you never know. It was him. <laughs> also, just Enzo. Uh, Enzo would have been a great Enzo Motor Company. Would have been a fantastic name. They mm-hmm. did name the car after him after he passed at one point. There's a there's a Ferrari Enzo to go with Enzo Ferrari. He never got to drive one, which is just a shame. But let's see. Uh, Italian motor racing driver and entrepreneur, founder of Scuderia Ferrari Grand Prix Motor Racing Team, and subsequently of the Ferrari automobile Marquis. In his final years, he was often referred to as the engineer or the grand old man, neither of which am I going to say in Italian because uh, no. Ferrari died on 14 August of 1988 in Maranello at the age of 90. Dude, that is no a, cause of death was given. That is a. I can only assume he just you know an, dematerialized. And an, he's part of an engine right now. That is a, yeah. a enormous bucket of life right there, right? That dude overflowed, making it to 90. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good run. It's a long you know? life, but when you average it out over his names, it's probably shorter than most people. You know. <laughs> what, they, <laughs> They each got 18 years. Yeah, dude, that's not <laughs> that's, that's <a> long... <laughs> uh, His death was not made public until two days uh, later, as Enzo's request, to compensate for the late registration of his birth. Classic Enzo. Always Balance in all things. Always ahead of his yeah. time. He witnessed the launch of the Ferrari F40 shortly before his death, which was dedicated as a symbol of his achievements. In 2002, Ferrari began producing the Ferrari Enzo, named after its founder. Uh, The Italian Grand Prix was held just weeks after his death, and the result was a 1-2 finish for Ferrari, uh, with the Austrian Gerhard Berger leading home uh, Italian and Milan native uh, Michel uh, Alboreto. Uh, It was the only race that year that McLaren did not win. Since Ferrari's death, uh, the racing team has remained successful. The team won the Constructors' Championship every year from 99 to 2004, and both 2007 and 8. Michael Schumacher won the World Drivers' Championship uh, every year from 2000 to 2004. And here's your chance to shine. What was that name again of the Finnish? Kimi? Oh, the, the Finnish uh, uh, driver. driver uh, Raikkonen. There you go. Won oh. the title with the team in 2007. So quite the legacy. They, they still just keep winning. Yeah. And it's, it's a big deal in Europe. Y- and you know, you... 
I, I don't see. I mean, I'm you know where I am. Uh, you see more Teslas than you see Ferraris. But I think anywhere in the world, right? There's never a place where you're like, that's ah, another Ferrari. I'm so sick of looking at them, unless you're like in Dubai or something, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. That's probably the only place I could think of. Because even out here, I get a little excited every time. And we see it like I've seen a Lamborghini pull into a 7-Eleven like more than once. Yeah. Like you'll see I, that, but like that's Vegas, you don't see though. it every day. That's Vegas. What though. I hardly see and what, what, what's a great color for that car is always yellow. Like, and I hardly see them. There's only like a few of them that I've seen that are yellow. They're mostly red or black. Don't they have that. rules about like people owning their cars too? Like if people like uh, – there's part of the deal when you buy them is like you can't do stuff that's gonna give a bad oh, image yeah, yeah. to the like, company. I, like you can't Don't take it back. Like you can't sell really? it. Like yeah, like there's a, there's a whole process. You have to get permission to sell it to somebody else. You, you can't just sell. Oh, the car. and you can't just buy one too. You have to be recommended by you by a Ferrari be, owner. You have to. Yeah, you have to get approved. Right. And also, like if you do something aftermarket to the car, it has to follow certain guidelines. Like I think it was somebody. Uh, this could be wrong, but like I think it was like Marshmallow or somebody. Like they wrapped a car or did something. Uh, after the fact, and they changed the badging on it, and Ferrari was like, "Nope, the like, fuck out of here." Yeah, a lot we're of, taking the car back. A lot of Ferrari <laughs> owners end up selling the Ferrari back to the company, and then back to Ferrari, and then buying the newer version of whatever. Mm. What a racket! <laughs> Good for them. There you go. Next, yeah. next up, we have Robert Heinlein. Robert Anson Heinlein was American science fiction author, astronautical engineer. I'm sorry, aeronautical engineer and naval officer, sometimes called the Dean of Science Fiction Writers. He was among the first to emphasize scientific accuracy in his fiction and was thus a pioneer of the subgenre of hard science fiction. His published works, both fiction and nonfiction, express admiration for competence and emphasize the value of critical thinking. His plots often posed provocative situations which challenged conventional social mores. His work continues to have an influence on the science fiction genre and on modern culture more generally. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think I think uh, for me, right, obviously it's uh, Starship Troopers. As much fun as the I've and I've told you guys this before, just two days ago. As much fun as um, as the movie was, nothing to do with the book. The book is wonderful, and like you said, hard science fiction. The dude is all about the details and about what things can happen. So, yeah, it, uh, I, I can totally tell that that's what he does. Uh, I want to say I've read more than one of his books. Now, I've read Starship Troopers more than once. I don't know if that counts as reading more than one of his books. <laughs> um, but I think, like, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, I think, is the other one that he wrote that I read. That was, you know, okay. Um, okay. But, yeah, no, no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I highly recommend watching the Starship Troopers movie remembering that it's not really related to the book in any yeah, way yeah yeah uh, but then reading the book alone it's it's a fantastic book it's such a fun book um but yeah the book uh the book again if your only experience was the movie and you thought okay this is kind of funny i kind of like it i mean the book is very a very much more deep thought-provoking thing there like, was there was uh there was the tv show the animated tv show the roughnecks that that mm -hmm. was way closer to the book um about the how the suits end up being like exoskeletons and how they can like how they carry ammunition and how they work. That was actually yeah, a this... much better uh, animated show back in the late '90s, I think, early 2000s. What was it called? The Roughnecks. The Roughnecks, yeah. Okay, I'll check it I out. I have not seen it, but I was aware of it. Probably yeah. worth a watch. All right, uh, on to movies. Starting off strong, we have Die Hard. Uh, American action film directed by John McTeeman, 
and written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza. Based on the 1979 novel Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, it stars Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Alexander Godunov, and Bonnie Bedelia. Die Hard follows a New York City police detective, John McClane, Willis, who is caught up in a terrorist takeover of a Los Angeles skyscraper while visiting his estranged wife. Gina Carano. No, that's I know actually because that's her name. Like she, she take when he goes to the building and he, you know, he says he's coming to visit her, and the guy says, "Oh, punch in her name." He looks up, you know, Gina McLean, and she's not there. And then he's like, "Ugh!" And then he goes to the seas, and her last she she uses her maiden name, Carano. I right, right, say. right. Uh, that's a fun fact right there. The other one is this is so I'm I'm sure you know we'll talk about it in the uh, debuts, but this is um, this is Alan. Um, yeah, Alan Rickman's Rickman? uh, debut. This is his first movie. You're kidding? No, this is knocked his... it right out of the park Dude, from the right? get go. Yeah, man, he was so great in it. He uh, was you're so kidding? Fucking amazing! This this movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. could have made anybody's career, but he was so perfect in this fucking movie. Also, oh, man, huge credit to his American accent, right? When he's in the when he's uh, when he's in the, on the roof and he gets caught. I mean, yeah. these, these British actors, man, they they know what they're doing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, Not a fantastic uh, movie, though. Great, a uh, number one uh, Christmas movie of all time. Number one Christmas movie. Uh, number one action 25, film. Twenty-five mm-hmm. to thirty-five million. It raked in one hundred around one hundred and forty million. By the way, for so uh, Bruce Willis before this was a television movie star, right? He had um, mm-hmm. Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd. He was not supposed to be the action hero because if you think about it, we just talked about Segal. We've talked about Stallone. We've talked about Van Damme. He is not, you know, all cut up. He's not doing martial arts. He is not supposed to be the success that he was. This movie somehow became what it is, but it it had to do with, like, a good cast, a good story, uh, and the everyday guy that that could pull it off, you know? It's it's funny because, like, when you really look at it, he's just an angry, pissed-off cop. You know, who's just looking to like take it out on doesn't on have the best luck. Can't find uh, shoes that fit. Can't find shoes that fit. Uh, there's that one scene I think I forgot who he's punching and he's yelling at him at the same time. <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> I love that, dude. It's, it's like, a rough. It's a rough day for him. It's not just an average day. Like like Arnold when he's saving the day is just having an average day. Yeah, and, and there's like does. a punchline at the end, right after he although, does something cool. But, yeah. Although Bertal, yeah. I, I think you bring up an interesting point, like. It does seem like this dude is using the terrorists as an excuse to just like just be just take it out. out on them. Dude. <laughs> I never thought about he is, that. He, is, he is working through some things. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I just thought about awesome. that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, next up, we have Crocodile Dundee two. Uh, a 1988 action comedy film and the uh, second of the Dundee films. Uh, it is the sequel to Crocodile Dundee. was followed by Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Paul Hogan and Linda Kowalski reply, reprise their roles as Mick Dundee and Sue Charlton, respectively, uh, here shown opposing a Colombian drug cartel. The film was directed by John Cornell and shot on location in New York City and Northern Territory, Australia, costing $14 million to make. You know... Like I, I even again, we we I said this earlier. I don't remember the Colombian drug cartel in this movie at all. I thought it was him just having New York adventures again. I mean, there had to be a villain, and you know, 
who better than some random drug cartel? Because he's going to get upset. The Colombians in New York. I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if, if if it's this first one or the second one. I I don't think I've seen any of the Crocodile Dundee movies, but there's one scene, and I've just come across it like on the internet where. Uh, there's some guy ready to jump off of uh, a roof or something, and he's just out there walking. Just hangs like, out with him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he just hangs out with them and like just happens to talk to him about something. Yep. I, that's as that's my exposure to to that movie. Like, uh, I guess it's good. Yeah. No. That Based the other that. The, the other classic uh, iconic scene is when some guy pulls a knife on him in New York. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the second one. Yeah. And, uh, but that's not a knife, and he pulls out that giant, you know, which of course nowadays. You'd have you'd induce panic if you pull out a knife that size in public. Yeah, pretty much. Wait, can we all try our Australian accent? Right, that's not a mm. knife. That's not a knife. Now this this is a knife. This well, is that's a knife. pretty good. <laughs> uh, so I want to be sure we 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 uh, reintroduce the the shock here for so we we know the budget was fourteen million. Do you remember what the box office was? It made. Fucking a shit ton. I, yeah, it like made over no, it made over two hundred. I remember. I was like, "What the hell? How did this 239.6 movie two hundred thirty nine point six million, dude?" <laughs> on a four... and then they waited, and then they waited to make eleven that until years, eleven years to make up like a Dundee, Dundee in Los Angeles. Just, oh my god, I just couldn't stop. That's amazing um, how they did not like make another sequel within. Oh two yeah, or three with that years. much money, they didn't. They didn't cash in. They didn't recash in immediately. That's such a missed opportunity there. Um, yeah, we could have had five of them. Uh, <laughs> next, he could have gone to all kinds of cities. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's like, like, Dundee, like in Singapore. DX. <laughs> <laughs> they'd have to start naming them Croc X. You know. Uh, the Dundee and you know they'd have to put other stuff okay yeah. next we have Bloodsport <laughs> uh, American martial arts action film directed by Newt Arnold and starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Leah Ayres Forrest Whitaker, Donald uh, Gibb, Roy Chao and Bolo Young the film centers on Frank Ducks, a United States Army captain important and ninjutsu practitioner who competes in an underground full-contact martial arts tournament called the Kumite in Hong Kong. It was one of Van Damme's first starring films and showcased his athletic abilities, launching his career as a mainstream action star. Okay. A couple fun facts that were not covered in the previous episode that no longer exist that did happen, but we don't have any proof of. Um, remember, this is not uh, Van Damme's first movie. Breaking. Just want to remember. No. Remind I think everybody. that's why they put the one of in there yeah, because, yeah. like, this is the one you're going to remember. Okay, yeah. so but technically wasn't this movie was based on a like Frank Duh exists, and it he is does. and it is based on a real guy who said he did this. Okay. Yeah. No. He, he his his story is insane. That yeah. guy, like, truth is stranger than fiction, in the in the sense of this guy telling a story because what he is saying is of course fiction. Yeah. But no. in the in the early '80s, he claimed he went through this, and <laughs> it was based, and they created the script based on him doing that. And then, obviously, after it came out, everything was disputed. But and he 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 was also like he was also used in the film as like a a choreographer for some of the action sequences. Uh, and a, I like an advisor just, for like, different things. Word for it, they were just like, sure, yeah, we could make a movie based off of this for sure, dude. Just tell us what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, the absolutely. '80s, bro. 
You could have said anything <laughs> in the 80s and they would have made a movie out of it. They're like, but that yeah. sounds cool. It's Look, stolen it's a- Valor, dude. <laughs> <laughs> The most unbelievable part is that a captain did all this. <laughs> was he really a captain or like did he make that shit up too? You know, that's a great uh, point. Um, you know, but you know? but look, having said all of that, this is a fucking fantastic film. It is oh, yeah. very Absolutely. A good fucking movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm so happy I, I, that it happened. Yeah, I always wondered what video game they were playing. You know how when he plays with the um the other guy, Jackson? Yeah, oh, his, his name. they're at the arcade. It would have been the yeah, late. they're at the arcade, but but the the video game, it only had two joysticks. It didn't have any. I don't think of it. It had buttons. It, so it would have been. Movement, it would have been the late eighties uh, too. So it wasn't even like they had that like fighting. Yeah, games it like was. That, huh? It was just two joysticks. I think from what I remember. Interesting. And it was a it was a karate tournament, and they're just two, they're it's like fighting karate in the champ. It looks like two player karate champ. Oh, nice. karate champ known in Japan as karate do is a fighting game developed by uh, some Japanese company released in arcades by Data East in 1984. A variety of moves can be performed using the dual joystick controls yeah. using the best of three matches format. Like in the oh, wow. So Karate Champ, two-player Karate Champ is what it's called. Oh, crazy. All right. All right. It's a real game. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a budget of 1.5 to 2.3 million, it made 50 million. So, Jesus. I mean, who can't complain. My God, with with uh, an, a relatively unknown Van Dam, and this—I mean, you know—it it spawned what three sequels that he was not in, that nobody heard of, that went direct to video. I'm just saying, you know, magic, magic was missing. It gave somebody work. Yeah. Uh, next up, they live. American science fiction action horror film written and directed by John Carpenter, based on the 1963 short story Eight O'clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson. Starring Rowdy Roddy Piper, Keith David, and Meg Foster, the film shows an unnamed drifter who discovers through special sunglasses that the ruling class are aliens concealing their appearance and manipulating people to consume, breed, and conform to the status quo via subliminal messages in mass media. Look, I'm going to say this, right? And I think I said it before. Gabe watched this with me while he was visiting me. This movie, Roddy Roddy Piper is phenomenal. He is. He was made for this film, but take away all of that. The premise for this film is actually really fucking cool. When they put on those glasses and they see the obey, reproduce, buy, it's it is such a fucking cool, cool like concept that that could that uh, it's such it's a shame. Well, I don't want them to remake it. I don't ever want them to remake it. But with the budget that it had, you know. Um, with uh, John Carpenter just being an indie director, an indie indie filmmaker, this is the best they could have done. It's such a great fucking film. So much fun. Yeah, it's it's real interesting the way they do it too. Is they don't. There's no introduction. There's no premise set. You're just. It starts the story just from the perspective of this guy just going, and and you have to like figure it out by osmosis as you're experiencing the events with the main character which is cool it was a cool way of doing it yeah, something that i think look. a lot of movies are aren't aren't necessarily bold enough to do at this point because they don't want to lose the audience oh yeah because we we yeah. go we go 20 minutes before we know what we... don't even know what's going and, yeah. and you st- you kind of unless you knew ahead of time you don't really understand what's going on because nobody ever explains it until way later and when it gets obvious quick, quick question so through the sunglasses they can see these 
things. So, so basically what happens is with the sunglasses, they can see uh, the world as it is, as opposed uh-huh. to as opposed to what um, an antenna an antenna has been feeding into. Like, actually, you know what? That, that this is the premise of the Matrix, right? The anten- oh, nice. yeah, okay. the antenna is feeding us what we want to see, but in reality, yeah. the status quo is being maintained by yeah. some kind of broadcast. And yeah. Oh shit. In the movie, it's like it seems like a cult, so which you automatically don't trust cults. Yep. And it seems like a cult is doing it. And they seem shady, but they're the ones that are actually producing these glasses that allow you to see the world as it is. Uh, so, you know, our and, man, the drifter, is suspicious at first and then realizes that they're onto something. And I'm telling you, it's very cool when you think about, like, you look at a magazine, right? And you're like, oh, you know, it's a story about this. There's an article. There's an interview. But when you look at it through the glasses, each page is just like, instructions so that you subliminally are being told obey the police obey the authority consume purchase reproduce like it's just each page is one order after another reminding you and then every time you look up at a poster every time you look up at a tv show or a movie the same message is being repeated over and over so you're without realizing it we are living a normal life we think we are but we are spending money we are doing all these things that this alien uh forces has been feeding to us and and and, and making us believe it's honestly a, a, a really great film in that sense now it is an 80s action films and it is an 80s yeah. indie film so yeah there's a couple things where you're like but ruddy piper without a shirt come on now <laughs> who can complain who can uh, yeah. a budget of three million a box office of 13 million that's exactly what it was supposed to make successful mm-hmm. Uh, not anything, anything more than that, but a very, a fun movie. And I'm telling you, I was so, so fucking happy that we had this moment. Gabe came into the office, we're hanging out and I'm like, you know what? I have this uh, extra monitor. Why don't we watch a movie while I work and they live? And it was just, it was such a magic moment, Gabe. I miss it. (laughs) It was great. Uh, next up Willow. Uh, high fantasy adventure film directed by Ron Howard and produced by Nigel Wool. The film was executive produced by George Lucas, written by Bob Dolman from a story by Lucas. The film stars Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally, Warwick Davis, and Gene Marsh. Davis portrays the title character, an aspiring magician who teams up with a disaffected warrior, Kilmer, to protect a baby princess from an evil queen, Marsh. You know, you know what's funny? They say Davis portrays... They don't say Davis is also a little person. <laughs> you know, they don't throw, they don't, that's not the most important part of his character. They don't throw the fact that out, that out completely. Hey, also, George Lucas continuing to make work for like the entire community of, of you know, uh, little people. Also, um, like Val Kilmer is so fucking good in this film. Was it, yeah, what, he really, honestly, I think between davis being charming like warwick davis is charming and he gets the opportunity to act out of costume which there's a lot of roles he's portrayed over the years that has been heavily made up or costume but between him being uh earnest and charming and uh kilmer just being like peak val kilmer like it's he does such a great job of portraying this over-the-top character mad mardigan yeah mad mardigan Matt, was it Matt Dog Mardigan or just Matt Mardigan? Nope, Matt Mardigan. Matt Mardigan. So, eighty six was Top Gun, right? Where he's not the yeah, he's a co star almost, right? 
of of Top Gun. He he's almost the antagonist, antagonist and familiar. Like aside from the Russians who are the obvious, yeah, right, right. you know, or whoever they don't really. I don't think they did they name him. I don't even know if they named him. It no. was, aside from Op Four as the antagonist, he was the main competition for your star. And, and before mm. this, before this, um, I had seen Val Kilmer in Real Genius and one other film where he was like. He was like a, a young Ryan Reynolds making like stupid comedies, like uh, you know, like a uh, you know, like Naked Gun style comedies, and then he got Top Gun, and this is I think where he really shined. And when you're like, oh damn, this is a force to be reckoned with, you know. A couple years exactly. later, he plays Jim Morrison in the Doors movie, yeah, which um, is amazing. You know, fucking a couple years later, he does Tombstone, like that dude's career. But I think this movie really shows off, like just what how capable he was skill set yeah to being a a a leading man it's it's a he's his exceptional performance here as we mentioned before like the morphing the uh industrial light and magic created that that uh that technology uh in order to in order to do some of the effects in the movie which uh overall the effects have not aged super well they have not um the film released in mixed reviews uh praise for the special effects and character design, but criticisms for the direction and plot. Uh, it grossed 137.6 million worldwide against a $35 million budget. Not a blockbuster that some expected, but it did turn a profit based on uh, international uh, showings and home video uh, sales. Okay. So, not too shabby. Next, we have Rambo 3, r- directed by Peter McDonald and co written by Sylvester Stallone, who also reprises his role as Vietnam war veteran john rambo the film depicts fictional events during the soviet afghan war in the film rambo sets out on a dangerous journey to afghanistan in order to rescue his former commander and longtime best friend colonel sam troutman (laughs) from the hands of an extremely powerful and ruthless soviet army colonel who is bent on killing both troutman and rambo while helping a local band of afghan rebels fight against soviet forces threatening to destroy their village it's very and it makes me laugh to say longtime best friend to your colonel. That's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna throw out this question. Since being uh, you know, since we're all vets, uh, would you guys even like walk a block to go help out your you know your CO? Look, I don't think so. <laughs> I re- I remember Distoli, You know, we won't say his first name, but yeah, no, I would yeah. not. Yeah, I, I don't the, know. Look, I my platoon commander, like I liked, but not the other platoon commander. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so like, here, yeah. so again, this was not covered in the previous episode. Which is great. So my friend, and I'll call him out, Richard, because he, he listens. God damn it, he listens. Okay, this is his favorite movie. He thinks Rambo Three is better than Rambo Two and better than Rambo One, which I think is insane. And and oh. Portal, uh, I did ask him to join this podcast, and he. He believes this is going to hurt his career to actually come on the podcast. He might not be wrong. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's right, dude. Like so far, no, he's he's, hit, he's spot on. He's spot on. I mean, we can't even we can't even record things and and save them. I get it. I get it. Oh no! But you're kidding. But he sent me an email with his thoughts on Rambo Three, and I'm going to read them verbatim. Okay. Okay. So he said, "This is done in Thailand." Written by Sly. He said, Red Foreman, Kurt Ward Smith. So the guy from uh, 70s show and Robocop apparently is in it. Yeah. Notion of Buddhist monk kids getting ready to fight. 
the turn to the camera with his bandana on and music stops. Hot shots par deux. Yes, I remember. Blue jeans working on temple. <laughs> I guess he was wearing blue jeans while working out in the temple. Can't ignore that Afghanistan is no better off now than they were when this movie was made. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. And American covert ops there empowered people who ultimately attacked America. Uh, wonderfully, True. wonderfully terrible dialogue. We didn't make you this combat machine. We just chipped away at the rough edges. The dramatic turns, foreshadowing of the Afghan war. Can't defeat these people. Wiki page is a goldmine of Stallone quotes. Highest budget film ever when it was made in such a disappointment that it took 20 years to make another. Exclamation point. He is very upset that it took 20 years to make Rambo 4 because he was really looking forward to it. Uh, what's football? You play with your foot? Not really. All the timers set for 10 minutes, but like 10 minutes apart. Uh, who do you think? <laughs> who do you think this man is? God? God wouldn't have. God would have mercy. He won't. Uh, ah, the bow and arrow. In my mind, I always envisioned this as him crafting a bow and arrow and somehow using his shirt to make it a flaming arrow. Across the valley is the border. You did it, John. Yeah. Wait. In the final scene, Rambo versus Russia. I feel like he could have done it without the horsemen and it would have been a better movie for it. Such a ridiculous final clash of tank versus helicopter. And then the final line, can you not stay? There's a long pause. I've got to go. He said it was very deep. Uh, yeah, he just gave me bullet points for <laughs> watching the movie, I guess. <laughs> I, I'd like to reference the uh, now lost to time recording where we all basically said we could hardly remember this one. Um, yeah. Having just the highlights like the bow and arrow, yeah, remember. Probably the turn, like, I, 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 okay, if it's from this, if you tell me that's from this, I think I can, you know. But T like tank versus helicopter. I, I remember sure. this movie more because of the spoof that they made with Hot Shots, with hot shots. Yeah, hot shots. and the actual damn movie, dude. Like, <laughs> no, it, it's terrible. Like that fight scene, that first initial fight scene where he's in that den. I don't know if it's a, is it an opium den? Oh, it is. right, where he's, he's walking through. Right? Yes. Yeah, oh, shit, and he's I fighting. About that. So you see, like, I don't even remember the fight scene, but I do remember clearly that thing with uh, Charlie Sheen. When they kill that guy and like he gets yeah he gets his head gets kicked in and like it just goes sideways, dude, it's amazing. You see, the spoof is more memorable than the movie. So uh, yeah, that that by itself alone, you know, just disqualifies Rambo three as oh my as gosh being relevant. It's uh, speaking of its budget, so its budget was fifty eight to sixty three million. Um, Damn. It made 189 million, so I mean, successful, but not not Crocodile Dundee two successful. But you know, apparently yeah. one of the most expensive films of its time. That's crazy. Yeah, I believe but, that. But I'm telling you, look, Stallone, late 80s dude was on fire. I don't think they could say no oh, yeah. to. I don't think they could say no to him because remember, he's done a few films, right? He's done a few films, but he has a ridiculous amount of films coming up in the next year or two. Like mm -hmm. same with 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 uh, same with um, Van Damme. The next couple of years for Stallone, the, I don't think they were saying no to him. I don't think they knew how to say yeah. no to him because of how much yeah. money he could bring in. Right, yeah, his success. Crazy. He, uh, you know, you had to cash in on it. Oh yeah, 
it'd be great to see like how you know maybe in the future you know as he's getting older like how they refer to him in at least in this genre like where action films you know because you only think of a, a few people which is stallone schwarzenegger you know it's a limited amount of people right everybody who showed up sort in expendables that's who you think yeah pretty much you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> for real but that's, that's he what did, he did. The, yeah but he did start the genre uh, sort of jump started the genre with that and uh, I, I don't know but uh, dude with this rambo three uh, i don't know like to me uh, uh, did rocky four come out before this or was it after uh rocky four we already talked about uh he, yeah okay so i think that's why for me it was just a, such a turnoff i mean he already beat the russians in the ring you know like why oh, is he gonna a, blow him up? That's a good point, dude. He did fight yeah. the Russians in in Rocky Four, and then yeah, he, he beat the, the Russians. Way. And hey, uh, we we oh, settled wow. this. Like, why are you guys? Why are you blowing him up now, dude? <laughs> that's interesting, dude. I didn't think about that. But remember, the eighties yeah. the eighties was all about us against Russia, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but, mm. yeah, we have not like now. Not yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too soon, Gabe. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Time's a wheel. Too soon, it's it's happening. You know, give it yeah. another twenty years, it'll we'll come right back. Around. Jesus Christ! Oh, no. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, our final movie today. We have Young Guns, uh, American Western action film directed by Christopher Kane and written by John Fusco. The film is first uh, to be produced by Morgan Creek Productions. The film stars Emilio Estevez, Keith Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Dermot, Dermot Mul- Mulroney, Casey Simazako, Terrence Stamp, Terry O'Quinn, Brian Keith, and a brief cameo by Tom Cruise and Jack Planch. So before we continue, uh, Morgan Creek Productions, the reason why they bring them up is because they end up making quite a few like ridiculously great films in the, in the coming years. They give us Major uh, League. They give us Ace Ventura, oh, yeah. oh, Robin, Hood, oh. Prince of, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Last of the Mohicans. Oh, yeah, like they go on to like. I didn't is, know that. Yeah, this is an interesting like a production company that really like steps huh. its game up after this. So yeah, I mean, you know, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's I didn't realize that. Uh, the film is a retelling of the adventures of Billy the Kid during the Lincoln County War, which took place in New Mexico during 1877-78. It was filmed in and around New Mexico. Historian Paul Hutton called Young Guns the most historically accurate of all Billy the Kid films as of June 1990. It opened number one at the box office and eventually grossed $56 million against an $11 million budget. A sequel, Young Guns 2, was released in August of 1990. First of all, both films are fantastic. The they ca- are. The cast for Young Guns is ridiculous. Do you look at Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, and Lou Diamond Phillips, who's playing Chavez mm-hmm. Chavez, which is one of the greatest fucking names ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I, I want to say in the coming year, actually speaking of Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer will go on to make a Billy the Kid movie, um, written and directed by Gore Vidal. Uh, so yeah, no, this is this was the beginning of like the resurgence of westerns because remember they haven't been around for quite a minute. Mm-hmm. This is a yeah. really good film, dude. And then you also have the Regulator song by Warren G and uh, and Nate Dogg. I mean, yeah. come on, that alone yeah. is worth it. 
I remember seeing this a lot on television get replayed, like on. This uh, was one of those films, right? Yeah. TNT or Spike or whatever it was, you'd see Young Guns and Young Guns Two would would in regular circulation. So like that's how I was exposed to them. Uh, yeah. This is a, this is a really good film, man. I really like it, whether it's accurate or not. Don't care. So apparently, surprisingly accurate. Which I wonder if that's a because uh, the other films you named, I think, didn't they get praise as well for a lot for their relative accuracy yeah. for yeah. their historical periods? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, it was weird because it's like a, a Western in the 80s, which is almost unheard of. Like all the Westerns I had seen up to this point, you know, were the Clint Eastwood ones, which uh, we'd always watch. But when this came out, like I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's not bad. I'm like, it's pretty good. Like I always uh, sort of compared it to uh, Tombstone, which is like great too. And then uh, Unforgiven, which was uh, pretty good. But yeah, um which one is the one where uh so just for the record the way you said uh do <laughs> so you're pretty good yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh don't don't yeah. get me started like uh, yeah. pretty good in my vocabulary pretty good is better than shitty i guess like hey that's, I, okay that's good, still like... still <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to say like oh it's great because I don't know like I don't know if I categorize it as great. You Wait, know? so you wouldn't categorize Tombstone or Unforgiven as great? No, Tombstone. Yeah, man, I, Unforgiven is great. Tombstone, okay. I have an issue with. What's right? oh what's the issue? Because you know this is one of Gabe's favorite good. movies. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, dude, it's, it's like... a fantastic movie. I do love that movie. <laughs> but but without uh, without I, having I heard that, without having heard that, please tell us why it's just. Mm. It's just I don't know. Like they tried too hard, maybe. Like the mustaches, you know. <laughs> like they all look too uniform, dude. Like no, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't that's just white people. You know yeah, what? We all look that. the same. You know no, what? But... No, no. You know what though? <laughs> he used the word uniform, and I don't know why that clicked in my head. Where. There is that scene, right, where they're all walking and there's that fire in the background. And yeah. it does look, yeah, oh, wow. It yeah, does look a little Hugo like Bossy. Yeah, it, it, it was it was good. It's just, you know, it, <laughs> I can't, I can, you know. The way Gabe is moving his hands, bro. It's like. I know, I know. Please, uh, He's like I'm, ready to I'm, tear into I'm, me. I'm scratching it. <laughs> I'm messing with my calluses. We're no, gonna, the uh, we're gonna see a mean game right now, dude. The uh, they, they they were being uh, they were being like refined city folk at this point. They were trying to be well well groomed and maintained. That was their whole thing. Was they were moving out of the being the western things. They wanted to be in the city and be fancy. That was uh, yeah, what they were doing. They were being stylish intentionally. It was an intentional stylishness. And then of course uh, Val Kilmer being that with his little you know, yeah, he was yeah. Uh, he was a very stylish man. Uh, yeah. I think that's a product. I think that's what you're talking about is more of a product of it being like a nineties Western right. was like, they, right. they did very much the style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they did hyper stylized. So I can, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, it's a product that, that of its the, time. It, it's a nineties yeah. movie. That was the only issue. But other than that, you know, uh, great. Although I, I don't know that that can be said about, uh, unforgiven. Um, no, Unforgiven yeah, is perfect. See, what, what I liked about Unforgiven, again, like the hero isn't, uh, you know, he's not pretty, you know, he's not refined. He's just like, hey, uh, here to kick ass, you know, and take names, take names and all that. Yeah, <laughs> take names and all that stuff. Yeah, dude. 
it's great when he goes into that town and he kills everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I like, honestly, so uh, one of my favorite uh, gunfights in a Western is uh, Open Range. Kevin they have the big showdown, right? And they do the big showdown with the bad guy. And he, there's like one of the bad guys is like a gunslinger. And like, that's the whole thing is like, he's dangerous. And so okay. uh, uh, what they do is to open the fight. Um, Kevin Costner just like blows him away immediately. He just draws on the dude before he can do anything and just caps him right in the head to start the gunfight. Well, so the, the, yeah. the, 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 the like cattle barons guys, gunslinger is like just immediately dead. <laughs> He just doesn't even waste time. Caps that guy, and then they just start methodically going through with their ambush, what they're doing. Nice. Which, you know, it's like, okay, that's I could see that happening. If you know that guy's better than you, like, you, why would I even give him a chance? Just cap yeah. that guy, move on. It's a great film, though. I, I really enjoyed this film. I, I always thought it was such a, a, a... I'm a big fan of a good ensemble cast before the ensemble oh, is yeah. huge, you know? Like, mm-hmm. when it, like, you know, Expendables, you know, like, the the ensemble's already huge. You're like you already know it, but when they're not like outsiders type of thing, yeah, it's kind of cool to then go back and see like this is what you started with. What did now, these guys all do? Yeah, yeah, you know. So Ooh, yeah, you should you should put that in your uh, list of uh, movie reviews, ensemble movies. That's actually oh, do ensemble? A, yeah, yeah, there's a theme we could follow. Well, look at you, Portal. Yeah. You tr- you're just trying to get into another episode, aren't you? Hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get into his fourth episode. I know. I know. <laughs> Hopefully, you record it. <laughs> he might like it so much he might record it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a uh, bitch, Portala is too fucking soon. Too soon. Too soon. First appearances. First appearances. Uh, as we mentioned, Alan Alan Rickman in Die Hard, which I, I mean, I, I feel like I'd heard that before, and I I forget, and it's incredible that that's his first. Yeah. We have Tim Allen in Tropical Snow. Speaking of snow and Tim Allen, did you know that in the 70s slash 80s, he was arrested for uh, selling cocaine? Yes. (laughs) Excellent transition, uh, but yes. (laughs) I'm just saying, look, Tropical Snow. Snow is now referred to as cocaine. Cocaine. The signs were there, dude. The signs signs were there. (laughs) They were there the whole time. We just didn't look. Uh, Stephen Baldwin in Homeboy. Interesting. Uh, Stephen, look, Stephen Baldwin, dude, did okay for a while, and then God knows what the hell went wrong with him. Um, I will always like him in the movie Posse. I will always like him in. Um, Was he in the in Usual Suspects? The Usual Suspects, exactly. Like that. Oh, okay. Okay. He, and then he went Christian, Catholic, or religious, and started making weird movies. Ah, what a waste, man! The Baldwin brothers are just. The best. They could have been the best. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we have Macaulay Culkin in Rocket Gibraltar. Wow. And this is a couple mm. years before Home Alone, huh? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've never heard of that movie. I have no idea what that is. No, it's. I think it's one of those that you don't know. Um, and lastly, Matt Damon in Mystic Pizza. Okay. That's a, that's a, uh, what's her name? Um, Julia Roberts movie, right? Is it? Mr. Couldn't, Pizza? Couldn't tell you. I've heard the name, and I think it's because of Matt Damon. Really? Video. That's why I've heard it before. Because I know I've heard that, but I, I have no idea what that is. Like, I don't know if I... Well, no, I can tell you right now. I don't know what that movie is, but I know... Yeah, uh, uh, Julia, yeah Roberts Julia Roberts and, and Lily Taylor, yeah. Vincent uh, Dio, Dio, Onofrio? 
can't say that last name now. Vincent D'Onofrio? Yeah, he's in there. Wow. Shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and, the name that jumped out to me. And by the way, this uh, is like a year after uh, Full Metal Jacket, huh? Yeah. It's oh. supposed to be good. Uh, I'm kidding. I've seen it on, on cable, but I haven't sat down to watch it. Okay. Maybe I might know. And with the minutes right. we have left, Portal, something old, something new, man. Can you tell us what you're into currently, what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to? Oh, man. Uh, I'm always going to be the sort of weird, you know, historical guy. So uh, I've been watching uh, Ancient X-Files on Disney. <laughs> and yeah, and it, for whatever reason, it's just, you know, I I turn it on. I try to watch like power through all the episodes and I always fall asleep. <laughs> and so, so it's a great like sleep date, you know. <laughs> so right. I've watched it. Yeah, I, according to Disney, I've watched it like you know seven times, but in reality, I've only seen it like once or twice. But <laughs> half of once. Um, yeah, as far as something old, uh, you know, all the Marvel movies just sort of play in my house, whether we watch it or not. You know, sometimes we'll just sit down and and. And really just sort of look at it. And um, I mean, if you think about it, Iron Man 1 is about 20 years old at this point. <laughs> dude, that's insane to me. That's insane to me because like, it's like, hey, it's it's pretty fresh, you know. And I find myself still talking about it. You know, it, it creates good debates because, uh, you know, a lot of those storylines have a lot of, uh, whether, you know, they intentionally sort of include a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, world event, world events or even, you know, themes that, are going on you know in society uh, you still can sort of address them through the movies i think mm. at least those and um you know uh, it, they're good discussion points sometimes with sandy and i but uh something new you know uh to, to add on to something new it's just uh watching you guys uh put on this show is it's, it's pretty nuts man it's a lot of work dude i just thought i figured it's you know more work than it should be huh yeah i just figured hey you know what like they just show up they talk you know and they just fucking and have a good time but it's weird because it's like yeah it's weird because like initially you know i just want to start cracking jokes and like i i see chris you know like doing his thing and actually being worried about like it sounding good i'm like wow i'm like he really puts an effort like you, you wouldn't think that that's the case because it just comes off so like naturally when because when you hear it because we like, sound because we sound like a train wreck game no hey it's authentic all right yeah it's an authentic train so wreck people know so look, to, to, that's to, pretty cool to pull the curtain and show you what the wizard of oz is doing we do have an idea of what we want to do and talk about no but yes, yeah. it does go off the rails sometimes, depending on what. No, what and it's game. awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. But no, you know, and again, watching Gabe and, you know, he's a good looking man for you guys that don't right? see him. I keep yeah, telling dude. everybody, dude, like, look, he's got triceps. He looks yeah, like. Dude. He look- I, I do have the record human muscles. He does. Yeah, he does. Got the muscles. He looks like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which again, yeah, dude. I'm telling you, he is a handsome fucking guy. And I'm like, yeah, I gush about him all the time, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and look, look yeah. here's the thing. Like, I doubt. Okay. I'm going to say I doubt, but who knows? I mean, we're, I already have season three planned. I doubt we're ever going to do a video, uh, a, a, a vlog, a, a video cast of this. But if yeah. we do, man, I'm just I'm I'm going to be the wingman to Gabe because I mean, yeah, oh yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, we're like, we're you, the so fast. you could have you could have talked him down a little from that. 
Yeah, I did. Well, it's about to end, but uh, again, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, thanks. It's, it's been a blast. Thanks for talking. And again, the set, uh, episode three, the invite is there. If you want to pop in and say hello, you know, we're not going to stop you. Oh, let's dude, leave it like, as a, just tell me why. Leave it as a like, surprise. I have all the time. I have the time. Well, thanks for listening, and we will we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>